0: everyone and welcome back to Culprits, Crafts, and Crimes. My name is Kate. And I'm Carly. And here we are. (laughs) Second episode.
1: Yes, we're back. And better than ever.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay, getting right into it. There's no need to talk about it. You guys learned all that in the first episode. Oh, excuse me. My dog is upsetty spaghetti already. (laughs) Uh, Okay, today's craft Carly showed it to me, and I thought it was the cutest little thing. I went to Walmart and got those, like, paint strips, the ones where they have, surprisingly, like, so many different shades with so many (laughs) different names.
1: All the colors. All the
0: colors. I didn't know there'd be so many different shades of, like... There was, like, 18 different shades of orange, (laughs) and I was amazed that there was that many. But we're gonna, like, be drawing cute little things on them and putting string through them, right? Like a whole yep. punch of string and making cute little bookmarks. Yes,
1: that's the plan. So we've got our colored Sharpies out, our swatches ready, and we're ready to craft and talk crime. <laughs>
0: I know, right? Well, these are good because, like, uh, of course, as most of you, I'm sure, do curl up with a good book. I'm reading the Encyclopedia of Serial <laughs> Killers tonight. <laughs> you know, so, just a classic. And, and you need, you know, a cozy night in in the rain, and you need, like, a nice little bookmark to mark your spot. So. so that's also a DIY
1: for you too. If you want to go make those, super yeah. cheap, super easy.
0: Carly and I teaching you all about the facts about both crafts and crimes. Oh my god, that should be our name. Imagine. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now onto the good stuff. We're starting it way earlier this time. Are we got. Doing?
1: We've got an interesting one, and just to point out, me and Kate did not previously know about this, so this was definitely a suggestion a good that one. we looked into. So, we are talking today about Ed Kemper. The
0: co-ed killer. Yes. So. I'm, I'm a little mad I didn't know about it. <laughs> Taylor, Brennan, you're both awesome. Really good friends of ours. One of them's my boyfriend. I'm such, <laughs> I'm such a mean person. Like, we're just friends. One of, okay, you guys both recommended this. I had never heard of it. Carly had never heard of it. I was a little salty that you homies knew something that I didn't about true crime. But I had a really... Not good time looking into this case, but it was really, really interesting. I was yes. really excited to start the podcast today because I was really excited to just share all this information with you guys.
1: We've got a lot of info and a lot of surprising factors to this guy here, and we are doing another serial killer, so it is mm-hmm. round two, but it's a whole different <laughs> dynamic.
0: Whole different dynamic. I mean, the murder part's the same. Uh, the multiple <laughs> murder part is the same, but... Unlike our first episode, Gary Ridgeway, he had, like, he didn't have a similar, well, he did have a similar, like, grown-up, growing-up experience. Yeah. Different, like, different indicators, but he, oh my god, the things he do. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any disclaimers? Yes, yes, Yes. as always. We laugh not because we find it funny, but because we're uncomfortable. We literally had to talk about one aspect of this case on like how we would word it because we did not want to go into too much detail because it was a little, it's a little graphic. So yes, hard disclaimer. This obviously features murder, not fun for everyone, but uh, necrophilia is also involved in this one, like a, a more intense gross version of it, which you didn't think it could be more gross, but it is. Uh, uh, child abuse, again, in this one. Animal cruelty yeah. is involved with this one. And
1: definitely more related to family mm-hmm.
0: dynamics,
1: too. It was a lot more um, at home. in yes. home, kind of. Yes. For at least this guy's life in general. <sighs> yes. But.
0: We didn't... Like, we spent, like, what? Like, five minutes talking about Gary Ridgway's like, life. We really summed it up. But this, this one, you really do want to look at his early life because... There was a lot of warning signs that were ignored that we now recognize as more serious symptoms or, you know, triggers Mm -hmm. or indicators of a serial killer, like things you'd look at now in 2020 and be like, hey, kid, you're probably going to hurt people in the future that back then people were just like, that's weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm still amazed at all of these. Things that have slid by police, slid by parents, slid by friends and family.
0: Carly, you but... can you can take it over for me. I'm gonna draw my cute little acorn yes. on this palette and not even worry about. It. Go ahead. So here we go. We're gonna
1: start off with early life, a little bit of background and info about the making of this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the original, or not the original, but the official name. His name was Edmund Kemper. And he was born in December 18th of 1948. So actually, funny fact, last person's was birthday month with Kate and this one's mine <laughs> <born. laughs>
0: Birthday month, buddies. It's super horrible. Not planned. That was not, not a planned. planned thing. I saw the date and I was like, oh boy, here we go again.
1: <laughs> but he was born in Burbank, California. So if anyone in those California areas, I know I've got a couple friends following. He's home for you guys. Um, But he was the middle child. So he had two sisters. He was an older sister, younger sister. And his parents ended up divorcing in 1957. So that gives him roughly about an age of nine years old. And he went and ended up moving in with his mom and his two sisters and they moved to Montana. So they definitely split. I don't know if the dad stayed in California or what. Uh, don't I don't really know much so. about that.
0: The only thing I read, and I'm not, like, this is not a confirmed thing. I did read in some places that his mother and his father had, like, an arranged marriage. And then, they like, they cut their losses on it. And mm-hmm. they were like, you take the kids. So I'm going to go this way. But he primarily, like, he lived with his mother. I, I think his father was close enough. Not to like visit, but close enough to where he could head over there,
1: like take not the drive. Much, not yeah. like another country or something. Yeah, no, no, no. He didn't go that far <laughs> away. Like, bye, guys. He didn't go that far away. Yeah. So digging into after he started moving in, and or else uh, they moved to Montana, and things were very abusive as far as the way that she would react to his. Um, like, you know, behaviors or even she, just... She would bully him. Yeah. She was
0: emotionally abusive. He, like, he was a weird kid growing up and she would tell him, like, no woman's ever gonna love you. She would mock him for his weird behavior, which I get it. My brothers were weirdos too, and I'd say that stuff, but my mother would be like, uh, no, he's perfect in every way. <laughs> as a mother should. Like, even if your kid's a weirdo, you should try to, like, love him <laughs> and embrace his weirdness with him. Yes. So, it looks like because of just her maybe
1: feelings towards him or whatnot, but he was definitely forced to live in their basement. Yes. And, but it was kind of an interesting fact, too. She, I was reading, she was had kind of punished him to that area because she was actually afraid of him harming his sisters or doing anything inappropriate or she anything. She was afraid
0: of him inappropriately yeah. touching his sisters, uh, you know, raping his sisters. She was worried that he was going to do something to them, so she would... Sent him to the basement, and that's where he'd sleep. And he said something about how there was only, like, one light in there with, like, yeah. a little light bulb. It was scary. It was, like, a creepy dungeon basement <laughs> as his bedroom.
1: So he was definitely forced to live down there, and um, he ended up later on saying that because of this, like, harsh treatment from his mom, he had visions and dreams of killing her. And siblings were an important part of his growing up, I would say, in the fact that he... His mother was right in doing so and trying to keep, you and know, from him his away. Sisters, yeah. It was, like, reported that she had, or he had said that he would play this game with his sisters where he would want to play, like, gas chamber. So he would, like, make his sisters blindfold him and, like, like tie him to, to a chair. chair. yeah.
0: And then he would, like, convulse and then play dead. Yeah, so he like, would, like, make them not... pretend, <laughs> torture him, tie him to a chair, and pretend, like, execute him.
1: Like, where, how do you think of these things at such a young age? She was young. Like, yeah, like,
0: ten or less. It sounds awful, but can can I just point out, I'm glad that he didn't do that to his sisters. Yeah. Like, he didn't tie his sisters up and blindfold them, because that would have been something else. Like, having it done to him is weird, for sure. For sure weird. But I'm glad that he didn't Thankfully, do it to his sisters. Yeah.
1: sisters. But it's also weird, that why they would want to, like go along Why with that. <laughs> people,
0: yeah, I mean like, I, I, kids have weird games and we'd mm-hmm. pretend like, chase each other with stick guns in the back and pew pew, you're dead, <laughs> but like, not like, torture me! Like, yeah. oh, that's weird.
1: <laughs> that's going a little over the top.
0: But he was a weird kid. He was a weird kid and he was exhibiting a lot of a little worrisome mm-hmm. signs. <laughs> yes.
1: And I know there's always a stigma or something of the sorts regarding serial killers, but this guy actually did, was one of those guys that ended up harming animals. Yes. So, he ended up killing two of his family pets. Yes. At 10 years old, he ended up burying one of his cats alive.
0: Yeah. So, full on, just it in was, the backyard, like. It was a young cat, too. I think it was, I don't even think it was like a year old. It was like a baby, and that makes me so sad. But yeah, yeah. he buried it alive. Uh, yeah, no, he buried That's it so alive. sad.
1: And then at 13 years old, another cat, he slit with a knife. And then he like played
0: with it, like played with its insides. And that's I mean, that's the thing, though, like they murder animals because they want to know what it's like to like they like want to see what's inside or just. Yeah, they want to They want Most of the time when they're younger like that, it's out of curiosity. And it's it's just scary. We don't know why. (laughs) By the (laughs) way, it's a common thread. We don't know. It's mm, it's gross. It's just not good. It's like fire starting animal cruelty, bedwetting. I, I didn't hear anything about fires or bedwetting, but animal cruelty, out of the three, I mean, fires is bad, but animal cruelty is pretty bad because it's a living thing that you recognize as living, that mm-hmm. you're taking the life from.
1: Yeah. So, because of this behavior, mom ended up going, yeah, we don't want you here. She went and sent him to live with his father, but that didn't last very long. He his was there father, for like, a very short him. time. She yeah. had
0: have projected him. was like, I don't want you here. You're not yeah. going to stay here. You're so, not
1: going to live with me. <laughs> she was like... What do I do now? She apparently didn't want him to live with her family. So she sent him to live with his grandparents, his paternal grandparents. Yes. So he ended up going there around, um, I would say, about 13, 14 years old. And his grandparents lived in North Fork, California. So he's back to California, back to live in... Some sort of comfort of home, essentially.
0: I mean, at least he didn't just get sent away to nowhere. Like, he did get sent. <laughs> oh my god, my dog! <laughs> my dog just scared me. I don't know if you guys could have heard his bark, but he's like a little guy, and that was like terrifying. Oh my, <laughs> timing, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're talking about this scary thing. Oh my goodness. Especially if you know this story, you know what's coming, and you know what we're about to say, what he did at his grandparents' house. That made my heart skip a beat. Oh yes. my lord. Yeah, so he had a fascination of firearms before he was sent to his grandparents' mm-hmm. house. And while he was at his grandparents' house, and again, like, 14, 15 years old, he was shooting and killing birds and small animals. And again, with that animal killing, his grandparents, however, were like, none of that, we're not doing none of that nonsense. And they took away his gun because they recognized rightfully that... Rightfully so. Rightfully <laughs> so. They took away his gun because they're like, listen, if you're killing animals... You know, that's a worrisome sign. You don't need to be hurting anything. So we're going to take this gun. And Ed did not like that. Ed was not a fan of that. So (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable, not because I find it funny. (laughs) But at age 15 in 1964, Ed shot his grandmother after an argument claiming she was abusive. But later on, he would tell investigators he did it because he wanted to see what it felt like. Which, if you listen to our first podcast... Is a reoccurring thing. That's almost word for word, verbatim. Yeah. What what the Ridgeway Killer... Or the Ridgeway Killer. Oh like, Well, that's what he was. But the Green River Killer said. Uh, and then after killing his grandmother, he waited for his grandfather to get home. Met him outside by his truck and shot and killed him. And he killed his grandfather because he didn't want his grandfather to suffer the loss of his wife. Which... I mean, to some certain
1: degree, like, that's nice, but (laughs) also...
0: Yeah, I I talked to Carly about that earlier, and, because we always do, like, little pre-discussions to talk about, like, what we want to, like, how, we, what order we want to do things in, and, like, what we thought about the cases and everything. Yes. Because, I mean, we do this because we enjoy spending time with each other. We enjoy talking about these things. But I mentioned that, like, his grandmother, he killed in anger. He killed her because he thought she was abusive and cold and just, you know, rude to live with and hard to live with, and he killed his grandfather because he didn't want his grandfather to be heartbroken over the loss of his wife, because they were elderly, they had been together for a while, and as twisted as it sounds, like, it almost sounds like he killed his grandfather out of love, because the tragic loss of your wife, especially by your grandson, would be a hard, hard pill to swallow, that'd be a really really tragic loss and the fact that he was like yeah I don't want my grandfather to be heartbroken might as well just kill him too is it's it's weird but he he did feel at least somewhat remorse or panic because he called his mother after killing his grandparents confessed like hey mom guess what I did today kill my grandparents uh what should I do and thankfully she didn't try to like cover it up or hide it or tell him like okay just get out of there she did tell him to confess and surprisingly he did he yeah. did confess to killing his grandparents. He told them, like, I shot them, this is what I did. And he was placed in the California Youth Authority, uh, to where he w- He stayed for about five years. They tested him there. They found that he was almost a genius. Like, his IQ was very, very high, ranging around genius levels. And it also said they tested him and found, you know, they talked with him and diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. But I have some thoughts on that that we'll get into. (laughs) But at this California Youth Authority Center is where he was around all of these dangerous people that had like murderous sexual fetishes. And he learned methods to kill there. A lot of places uh, or articles that you'll read or books on him or documentaries will tell you that this place might have done more harm than good. While it would have, like, kept him away from the public for a couple years, it taught him some of the things that he later on would go to do. But he was a good noodle there. And they yeah. eventually like, gave him a job as, like, an assistant. And as an assistant, he was able to talk with some of these other people and learn some of these killing methods. And he was able to review the tests; Like, he had access to the tests that he knew... <laughs> with, like, the questions on it that they'd be asking him to, like, let him out. Which I don't know why they would let anyone...
1: I don't know I don't know if they were like trouble to be able to view these type of I don't
0: know if it was like, Hey, can you look these test questions over that you'll eventually be answering and see if they sound good? He might have like snuck in, but because he was, like, an assistant, and he technically had, like, a job there. It or he was just
1: so easily, like... Trusted. Trusted that they were just like, okay, yeah, you're cool. We'll just have you help us.
0: Yeah, well, they they tested him, and in 1969, he was released when he was 21 years old. They gave him, like, the test that he knew the questions on, and he knew just what to say to, let, to convince him that he was okay, that, hey, guys, you cured me. I don't have any kind of thoughts of killing anymore. Thanks for letting me back out into society. But it all plays back into that smart smartarchy look. His love, his, he was smart. He was rating near genius levels. Um, But doctors did recommend that he not live with his mother when he was released. They said, hey, you can go live anywhere else, but you should not live with your mother because she seemed to be a trigger for these events. And the abusive, like toxic environment that she creates is not good for you. Yeah. But he didn't obey that. No, he did
1: not. (laughs) So he ended up going straight back to live with her. And I think at the time, she'd even moved.
0: Uh, I think she was in Santa Cruz at that point. Yeah, when he got out when he was 21 years old, she was in Santa Cruz at that point. Yeah, so he starts...
1: Kind of trying to put life back together. Or Get so it some seems. jobs, yeah. Kind of does some jobs here and there. Ended up going to community college. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I guess his mom had even moved to Santa Cruz was because she became a... I don't know she was a teacher, but she worked at a university. Mm-hmm. So he kind of decided, yeah, I'll go to college too. He ended up getting a job um, with the Department of Transportation in 1971. Yep. So he found this job. He was good Things seemed to be going great. He was looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Things were
0: going okay. T- back
1: to normal of sorts.
0: Yeah, they were going okay. He did apply to be a state trooper, but was rejected. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons that were stated for why he was rejected, they like the main one that everybody kept repeating was, oh, he was just too big. Because Ed was. Fun six, fact. <laughs> yeah. He was six foot nine and almost 300 pounds. And they were like, nope, you're too big. We can't have you. Which. Makes no sense to me. You'd think that the state troopers would want a big guy like that.
1: Yeah. And I also end up reading, too, where because he was such a perfect inmate of sorts, that they ended up actually clearing his, um... Like, Like criminal history? Like, history. So maybe they just... They didn't know that. So obviously it wouldn't have been a rejection because of that. Yeah. So it's either... Maybe he, like, took some sort of testing that they had and and just didn't pass, or...
0: Well, I mean, technically, I mean, it it said that he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at the institute that he was in when he was 15, but then it never mentioned, like, him going to therapy or on medication for that. I I, I assumed that that was the reason why he didn't get the job, but that was not stated, because they didn't know about his criminal history. They didn't know that he had killed his grandparents. They just said it was because he was too big, which... Kinda sounds like an excuse.
1: Was it kind of like a, we don't have a uniform that fits you, so (laughs) you can't be a part of us. Yeah,
0: sorry, we only have mediums and (laughs) larges and you don't fit that. So, you're too big, bye. Like,
1: (laughs) Like, yeah, but where did that come from? It's definitely a- I
0: feel like that has to just be a safer answer than saying, hey, you're mentally incapable To be fair, I wouldn't want to be behind a desk looking at a guy who's basically seven feet and tell him you're mentally incapable for the job that I have. Be on your way. I'd be scared of him flipping that desk over and like punching me across the room. I I get it. But that made no, that excuse made no sense to me. But he did hang out with a lot of officers. He was buddy buddy with a lot of officers around. He'd go to like their cop pub and have drinks with them constantly.
1: So he was definitely a well-known guy and Mm -hmm. liked by so many people, and in the police department. So it wasn't anything weird. And then we had something interesting happen. (laughs) Charlie's like murders happened. It was quite interesting. Happened. And well, before I kind of want to, I found this interesting little fact that I kind of want to mention too. So apparently, while he was um, working with the department. Of transportation, he ended up getting hit by a car on a motorcycle. Yes, so through all of that settlement, he ended up receiving fifteen thousand dollars and was unable to work. And so, I guess, he had kind of gotten a new car that definitely resembled a um, police cruiser. cruiser. Yeah, so he, out of work, is kind of cruising town, I guess, and starts noticing that many women are hitchhiking, many women are in the area. And apparently, he starts collecting tools that will fulfill his onset or murderous desires that he's been kind of yeah, holding he, in.
0: He had thoughts about this. This was something that he had thought about and planned. And before the murders happened, he was picking up hitchhikers to see like, yeah. how easy it was to see like what would happen when he picked them up. He was just helping them out,
1: seeing probably seeing what kind of conversations were could normal lead. to have. Yeah. And what could make things more easily going. I don't know. Probably just figuring things out on his own. Slowly deciding what works best with these female hitchhikers. And in 1972, two Fresno State students became his first victims. So these two ladies, Mary Ann, I think it was PESCE, don't know, or <laughs> Anita Lachessa. They didn't make it to their destinations. And nothing had become, like, apparent. Like, there wasn't anything really found until August 15th, when a female head was discovered in the woods and
0: later known to be... Mary Ann's. It was yes. later confirmed to be Mary Ann's. Anita's was never found, which yeah. is terrifying. But Mary Ann's head... Just her head, by the way. Not her body. It was, like, her skull Yeah, was just found. the head. And I guess he...
1: Kemper later explained to police or whatever that he had stabbed and strangled her and then um, ended up stabbing Anita as well and brought them both to his apartment and then removed their heads and hands. So he had fully decapitated and dismembered these girls. Yes. And in September 14th of 1972, Kemper picked up a young woman at the age of 15 years old. think it's Aiko Ku, and she definitely met a similar fate and
0: what's kind of
1: sad we kind of read two different sides but essentially she was there waiting for a bus to get to 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 her dance dance class
0: I read that the bus was late and so she's like okay I just need a hitchhike because I need to get to my dance class but then Carly read that the bus like she just missed it yeah Something of the sort. So there was some sort of reason where the bus was late or she was late or she just like the the bus and her were not on the same schedule. So she had no choice but to, well, she had choices, but she (laughs) hitchhiked to get to her dance class on time.
1: Yes. And January, so that was kind of a similar fate, but she wasn't found. Nothing was really found of her remains or anything. Kemper just later on explained that he had done so. And in January of 1973, he continued picking up hitchhikers, and yes. one of them ended up being Cindy Shaw. And she ended up actually being shot and killed.
0: So he brought Cindy to his mom's house where he dismembered her. He threw, some, he you know, took her head off. He threw some parts of her into the ocean and buried her head in the backyard. I read this. Right before we actually started recording, and I didn't read this part before, and it made me horrified. He buried Cindy's head in his mother's garden facing her bedroom because his mother, and I quote, always wanted people to look up to her. What? God. (laughs) Like, how horrible is that? Like, that's, not only did he, like, dismember these poor women and scatter their body parts all over, either to be you know, evade police and avoid being caught. Like, you know, you can't identify a body if it's only, like, a a hand. Uh, Well, in theory. But um, he would take apart these poor women, engage in sexual activity with their heads, and that's the only time I'm going to say that, because that's disgusting, but he would do these horrible things to their corpses, but this poor girl, he took her head, buried her body in the mother's garden, and had her head facing up towards his mother's window.
1: Like where? Big yuck. That, I think, kind of plays into the whole IQ factor, or even just being smart. And, like, all these, like, sayings or phrases that his mother had said to him mm-hmm. really resonated. and really, He remembered them. Yeah. He
0: remembered them forever.
1: And so, whenever he's living life, doing things, they definitely had purpose. And there was meaning behind everything.
0: And most of them <laughs> revolved around his mother, as most serial killers do. Also, an interesting fact. <laughs> yeah, and so the killings did continue. In yes. February fifth, nineteen seventy three, Rosalind Thorpe and Alice Live were sh- he he picked these girls up on campus. Okay. He shot them. Yeah. He shot them, and he drove past campus security with these women in his car, wounded in his car, like, like bleeding out, bleeding out in his car. And he's like, "Bye, guys, I'm leaving campus. See you later." And they're like, "Okay, bye." Like, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even,
1: like, the campus he was going to school at. His mom had actually given him a sticker for his car to be on campus where she worked. And so he had easy
0: access. Go right on in. Find some ladies and
1: get on out of there. Well, he
0: offered them a ride, and you'd assume, because he was still relatively young at that point, well, like, yeah. youngish, like, in his 20s, like, they would probably just assume, like, oh, it's a guy that goes here, so it's fine, because why else would he have the campus sticker? Yeah, which is so weird. But the fact that he drove past the security guards, like, big baller move. Like, <laughs> like I wonder if he was, like, scared, or, like, if that was, like, the only way out or something, but if he was yeah. nervous or scared, or if he was like, I'm not gonna. I'll see you later. Bye. Definitely
1: some. It was hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know what to say. That's just crazy.
0: The next murder was obviously the one. Like, a lot of people, when they hear Ed Kemper, think about how he's murdered his grandparents and how he. (laughs) What he did on April. In April in 1973. Good Friday. Anything but good.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, let's first kind of. I want to mention, too, at the time of these murders and disappearings there was actually two other serial killers out on the loose so there was some other guys out here killing people yeah so I could bet for sure that police were having a hard time distinguishing between what's going on who's doing what because things were probably not the same. I haven't really looked into these two guys too much, but they probably had different M.O.s. They probably had different crime scenes.
0: Yeah, it was John Lindley Frazier and Herbert Mullins. Literally, because these guys, all three of them were killing at the same time, this place was known as the murder capital of the world. And police were overwhelmed trying to (laughs) find, and understandably, like, I get it. Like, that's awful. God. But I feel like so maybe they could have been, like, competing with each other at one point. Like, I want to be Potentially. The- like, if they're
1: keeping up with the news, and if they're actually interested in kind of creating that, um, reput- reputation, that yeah. reputation for themselves, who knows. But in April of 1973, he had committed his last two murders. So, Good Friday, he and his mother, whereas he was at his mother's house... And apparently they had gotten into some sort of unpleasant exchange and arguments, and his mom ended up going off to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So he's just there at the house, and decided that that was enough. He had had it. He couldn't stand his her anymore. anymore, and went into her room while she was asleep, and ended up hitting her in the head with a hammer. And... Things don't just end there. They get much worse. No, shit.
0: <laughs> it wasn't just hitting her in the head with a hammer. He slit her throat.
1: Ends up cutting her throat with a knife mm-hmm. and pulls
0: out her, essentially, like, throat esophagus. Uh. Learn. And puts it in the garbage disposal. He, he turned it on, too. He tried to see if, like, he could, I don't know if he's trying to, like, get rid of it. Or if he was, you know, it's a symbol of, like, you can't talk anymore. Yeah. And it basically just, like, regurgitated back up into the sink nope probably <laughs> like yucky yuck, yuck I, as
1: the dishwasher in the
0: house <laughs> I Gross. can't imagine
1: Gross. you know like there's even those, those times where you're just like turning it on and stuff just like comes back out like, like imagine, food yeah and, but imagine that being body parts and blood and guts and gore <laughs> Well, no way.
0: Even if you like put it in there yourself, like that has to be gross. I wonder if they ever find that gross. Like if they're like, yeah. ew, didn't implant, like didn't plan for that to happen, but it like exactly. regurgitated back up. <laughs> and not, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. I can't say that enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, we're gonna like awkward laugh throughout all of this.
0: But like, okay. So after he killed his mother, he cut off her hands, he decapitated her. He called her friend, like her best friend, Sally Hallett. And when she came over, he strangled her, killed her. Put her in the closet and then took her car. I, I didn't find out about the car thing until afterwards. Carly and I were so confused as to why like, she was called over why, there. Why?
1: Why are you bringing your mom's friend over? Like, unless maybe she was heavily involved in like maybe her mom was telling her all these things about him, or maybe. she was just heavily involved in their lives. Maybe he just grew up with her being around. But why would you bring someone over? I
0: think it was for her car. Like yeah. that's which is awful, and she just got killed for her car. But he used it to like drive away. And a day later, a day or two later, he had noticed that there wasn't... Because he was checking the news to see if there was any news on his mother's murder, which I'm not, like, quite sure why he would assume that. Like, it seemed like his mother led a pretty, like, isolated life. He killed, like, the one person, like... (laughs) They're both in their house, and no one's gonna find them. It was, like, a day later. It wasn't, like, a huge... I mean... Some people, like, I'd notice if my loved ones, like, if my mom doesn't call me back. Like, after yeah. I call her twice, I'm ready to call the police. Like, so, <laughs> like, where I mean, are you? Yeah, exactly. It's like, Unless hi. He was just, like,
1: scared. And then, because, I mean, that was his mother. So things had come full circle. Yeah. Those violent dreams and visions and I mean, he'd that's what he had dreamed about forever. forever so long mm-hmm. had finally come to fruition and it had happened. And so maybe he was just scared and just took off. So he took him driving with his mother's friend's car and drove east until he hit Pueblo, Colorado mm-hmm. and then decided,
0: I'm gonna call this in. Yep. On <laughs> April 23rd, he called police to confess. He confessed to his mother and Sally's murder and the police didn't believe him. Yeah. Like, they were like, Big Ed, come on, you're goofing and he's like, no, I, remember, I killed them. he's
1: good buddies with these
0: guys. Yeah, so, and I mean, to be fair, Carly's like one of my best friends and if Carly's like, hey, I did these horrible things, it would be like, No, you didn't. Like, what? (laughs) Like, are you messing with me? So the police didn't believe him, and he got frustrated, and he ended up confessing not only to his mother and Sally's murder, but to the murder of all the other women he killed. So he's like,
1: this is real, guys. I really did this. There's where you'll find her head. Here's Mm -hmm. where you'll find
0: this lady's body. Here's where you'll find everything. He gave them all the evidence they needed. Like, I'm the only person that would know this because I did it. And it's kind of funny that... It's not funny, but it's interesting that he basically did it out of frustration. Like, why don't you believe me? You don't believe me? Here's the evidence. Mm-hmm. And- just in the face. <laughs> so
1: they ended up going out finally believing because of so much evidence there was just and so, so much, much specifics evidence. Specifics and vivid images that he was, you know, portraying, that they ended up charging him with eight counts of first-degree murder. And he went on trial in October of 1973. And they're like, yep, on all accounts,, yeah. this guy did it. Found guilty in November. And we've, <laughs> we Me and King talked about this whole scenario of trial <laughs> because it's really it's funny, but it's also not funny.
0: Like it's, uh, it's not funny. It's not funny. But okay, <laughs> this is the thing. It was more just like my interpretation of it because I get uncomfortable with the seriousness of crime sometimes, so I have to make jokes. So, the judge, after he was found guilty, asked him, what do you think your punishment should be? You did these awful, heinous things. What do you think your punishment should be? And... (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: laughing because we're so, like, what is happening? But he literally told them, I should be tortured to
0: death. Yep. Like, and it made me just think of, like, the gas chamber game he played. Yeah. And literally, and the judge told him no. Like, the judge... He straight up was like...
1: (laughs) No, that's yeah. not going to happen. Literally, you guys, all I
0: thought about when I read that was that Bugs Bunny meme where he just like extends his lips out and he's like, no. Like, that's <laughs> all I, and I'm sure that's not what the judge did. I'm sure he yeah. was like, no, because he sentenced him to eight concurrent like, yeah. life sentences, which is good. But for real, like, that judge probably just looked at him like, what? Like, you yeah. deserve to be what? <laughs>
1: I yeah, so and maybe it was because he was just realizing that all of these things that he had done was just, just so graphic and gruesome and very family oriented and young women he and could have felt guilt and been like I deserve could've. to feel terrible and to be tortured but or he's just a weird because game. he had that weird fascination with that game at such a young age that maybe he's just infatuated with torture, torture. of himself
0: because he didn't torture uh, well he didn't torture his sisters his mother was worried about him doing that but he didn't like yeah. torture his sisters in the game which we talked about but when he was asked because he confessed to all these murders he confessed to all the details like some serial killers don't want to say anything and others yeah. almost brag But when he asked like why he confessed to not only his mother's murder but all these other murders, he said and I quote, the original purpose was gone. I just said to hell with it and called it all off. So it's like after he killed his mother and her friend I I feel like his murder drive was gone. I feel like his, like the resentment he held towards his mother was the end. The big indicator the big stretcher for all these murders like after he did that he was probably like okay, I'm done now
1: And so now he's still currently fulfilling that life sentence and in California medical facilities. So Mm -hmm. they realized, yeah, this guy is mentally Ill. ill and he needs to be properly treated or cared for in that sense. But... He's in Vacaville, California, where he will hopefully stay there forever until he dies. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's no there's no talk about him getting out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's probably going to stay in there. That judge said so. No torturing for you. Just life sentences. Like, I don't know why I find that so funny, because it isn't. And I know that's not what the judge did, but I swear, you know that, like, going through his head, he was just like, what? What did he just say? Like, did he just, like, read that transcript to me? Like, <laughs> it's like just how? Like, just, like, leaning in, just like, no. Like... <laughs>
1: Which makes it, like, weird in a sense, too. Like, why would you ask somebody
0: what well, yeah. what they
1: think their punishment should be? Like, would you just be uh, like, okay,
0: sure? I, I mean, like, maybe he asked to see if he felt remorse before he yeah. sentenced him. Because I guess if he was like, well, I deserve probation after all these murders, the judge would be like, what? No, you took all these lives. What are you talking about? It was probably just to see if he felt remorse. Because, you know, I'm sure people are curious to know whether if you can murder that many people if you do feel remorse um, especially after like killing your own mother killing your grandparents like killing his family was something he did three times quite frequently yeah.
1: multiple times and that's definitely worse than anything I could ever imagine like yeah. I, I can kind of to understand just like not knowing anyone and so you don't have any connection to them but when the little girls he was killing he didn't have connection and it's family
0: that's a whole nother like, that's a, a tie yeah. to you that you are severing that you are killing I mean, like, the women that he was killing, they were strangers to him. I could see why, if he could murder them, he wouldn't have any feelings or thoughts or cares or remorse after murdering them. And I know that he had his resentment towards his mother, but it's also like, that's your mother. Like, how do you not... Yeah,
1: so, definitely... If you guys aren't already, go ahead and go follow our Facebook page because we discuss things all the time and we want to know your thoughts. Yeah,
0: for real. And honestly, a lot of the, we just did like our first Tuesday talk, which we'll be doing every Tuesday, short little cases. A lot of the recommendations that you guys send to us, we end up doing. Definitely. I guarantee you for the next couple of weeks the only stories we're going to be doing are recommended stories because we want to do stories that you guys want to hear about. And honestly, we didn't know about this case. Yeah. And it's a popular case, so I'm a little offended. Like, (laughs) I was really mad that some of my close, like, favorite people knew about this, and I didn't. And I was like, uh, hold on. Like, I'm the criminal justice buff here. What are you talking about? And there were so many documentaries and stories, and I was like, how did I not... I mean, like, I'm sure I did hear about it, but it wasn't something that I was like, well, let me look into that, like, Mm -hmm. until now. And I had a, like, not a good time, but it was an interesting time looking into this case... And I don't, just that, just that thing of I deserve to be tortured. I don't know. It'll stick with me. That's the first thing I'm gonna think of anytime anybody mentions End Kemper. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. I'm just. I'm uncomfortable. Like yeah. And it, okay, Definitely. it's a little funny. Like just like the phrasing of it. Like I'm sure the whole moment was super serious, intense, and, and maybe even a bit creepy. But yeah. I'm just gonna imagine that judge as Bugs Bunny. Just no. <laughs>
1: yes but you so, guys
0: yes definitely follow the pages carly think, was wrapping things up and i'm like no we're still <laughs> talking I'm about still this talking. <laughs>
1: and we do have an instagram account as well so yes. you'll follow that And definitely message us if you've got some cases Mm -hmm. you really want to hear about. Let us know. We want to hear them, we want to talk about them. Mm -hmm. And we kind of mentioned it too in our little um, preview yesterday or our last week. But yeah, those Tuesday talks will be happening every week, and we'll be doing probably around 10 15 minutes um, episodes. So you can see us and you can chat below. Your thoughts. Just engage with us.
0: Yeah. We, I mean, we like conversation. We, want friends. <laughs> we like conversation. I mean, like right now, we're talking into a microphone like in my apartment drawing leaves on paint palettes. So, um, yeah, definitely. And then every Friday, we release podcast episodes. So we're here. We're vibing and we're thriving and we're ready for it. And, we, yeah. and we're really excited that you guys are a part of this too. We've been looking at the Reviews and people have been really kind about commenting and telling us yeah, so we're doing a great you. job. So. <laughs> thank
1: you all so much from the bottom of our hearts. It means the world.
0: We, we literally act it. like schoolgirls. Carly yes. will like screenshot them and send them to all me all the time. I'm like, look what they said. Look it's they so said. exciting. Like we're just we're having fun. Like these are terrible, like, real things, but we enjoy spending time together. We enjoy doing these crafts and we enjoy interacting with you guys. Like this has been a really Nice little stress reliever from all the COVID nonsense that's been going on right now. But yes. You know what guys? That was the story of Ed Kemper. Ed
1: Kemper, the co oh, ed killer, Kemper. the co ed butcher. Yeah, He's he got had a couple names. names. He <laughs> had a
0: couple names. But his real name Edmund, not a fan. Sorry about that. Like <laughs> even like Big Ed. Like, yeah. hmm, like, you didn't have great names. But anyway, tune in next Tuesday for that Tuesday talk. Follow our pages and be sure to like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff, and be here next Friday because we will be talking about someone else. I don't know who yet, but somebody. It'll be somebody. talking. <laughs> yes. And as always, stay, stay safe, safe out, out there, there, guys. We love you. I guess. <laughs>